everyone loves a new beginning. Today, we're talking about the start of the Valkyrie Project. What is it exactly? What does it mean for the modern military woman? And where's it going? We'll cover these and other topics on today's flagship episode. I'm your host, Meg, and this is the Valkyrie Project. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Valkyrie Project. I am your host, Meg, and I'm incredibly excited to finally be sitting down and having this conversation here with Chris McNamara today. We've been looking at putting together this project for a long time now and uh, definitely had some good success with our first focus group last week where we had a chance to sit down with military ladies and find out what they were looking for, what they were missing in generally athletic training programs, um, general preparation for career moves, different schools, different opportunities that are now available since the year 2016, but just haven't really been amplified in terms of getting women ready for those kinds of challenges. So we're here today at Evolution Athletics in West End, North Carolina, a premier fitness facility in North Carolina, discussing what the Valkyrie Project is, what it can do for ladies in the military, and where we hope it'll go in the future. Give you a little background about myself. I've been serving in the Army for more or less seven years, have some background in aviation, have some background in the soft community, uh, but generally have a passion for serving the community and giving back from my experiences and finding ways to set women up for success in their future endeavors. Welcome, Chris. We're happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give the listeners a little background on you. Yeah, so I'm Chris McNamara, uh, owner of Evolution Athletics. Um, long time ago, so circa 2002, was in the Ranger Regiment. We were standing up a Ranger Athlete Warrior Program, Generation 1, and so I was, uh, got to be part of that inaugural program. And then just over the course of my military career, so almost two decades spent in the soft community, um, stood up a couple more programs along that line. And then just my own life journey kind of kept me in the um, performance and I could say health and fitness realm. And that's kind of what brought us here today. Very good. <clears throat> it's, um, it's really cool to be sitting down and finally doing this, especially after having worked with you for the last couple of years, um, you know, not only as partly as a coach at the other Evolution Athletics location, but also in my own pursuit of athletic prowess and fitness excellence, trying to get myself ready for different challenges in my career. I think this is an unprecedented and a very unique opportunity for the both of us. And I think that it's also important to note really that there's a lot out there right now. Um, And I think that a lot of our listeners would be able to agree that there's so much to choose from that it's difficult sometimes to narrow things down and and decide really what's best for me, you know, and, and just as sort of part of like a personal anecdote, you know, I really started my fitness journey over 10 years ago, just trying to get ready for basic training. I could run for days. I was basically a noodle, uh, but I couldn't do a single two-standard army push-up. So that started my CrossFit journey in the Charlotte, North Carolina area at a CrossFit gym. And I've really been interested in functional fitness ever since. But in more recent years, when I was looking to do those more challenging jobs and find those other opportunities that would sort of accelerate my career in a different direction, I found it difficult to find a program that would really not only meet my needs to get me ready, but was not going to be something that would perpetuate nagging injuries or old injuries that were, that were lasting. Um, my personal story being that, you know, I had shoulder surgery on rotator cuff a couple years back. And so the question for me becomes then, 
you know, how do I stay in shape, keep meeting the expectations that are provided to me, and also look to those loftier goals of more challenging training in schools. So I guess my question for you is, you know, what have you seen out there in the community uh, that you think you could be, that could be improved upon? And also, what can we bring to the table that would benefit listeners out there looking for their niche, especially the women warriors? Yeah, so I think it kind of starts uh, to go back to my own story as well. Um, coming from the Ranger Regiment, thinking fitness and performance uh, were sort of binary. You either had or you didn't. There were certain aspects and domains that you had to meet the standards on you don't, and it's not. It's a continuum. And so how I kind of look at it both as a business in terms of evolution athletics is, uh, you know, if we're going to sit here and argue about the little nuances between camps of, of say, you know, CrossFit versus professional strength conditioning versus whatever, we're missing the big picture. Um, and so, you know, we look at it here as kind of, you know, three, three parts. You've got uh, health and fitness as general wellness, um, then sort of that that competitive weekend warrior, or for us, a lot of just day-to-day tactical athlete demands. And then we have peak performance, where you might see that in sport or some of these selection events where you're training for a very specific thing. And so, you know, in the whole business approach that I take, I try and move past all the the so-called experts in the strength conditioning field, which is a very fledgling field, um, less than about 60 years old in America. Um, and so all these people claiming they know the best thing about everything and try and look at it from, from the macro view and, and steal from other areas like the medical field, the financial sector, I mean, physics, you name it, and realize that we're on a track, on a glide path to improve everything, but people are just arguing about the small things. So to take that to what we're doing here, um, instead of just following whatever's out there, whoever gets the most social media following, uh, we try and combine that evidence-based approach from the medical world with the field proven things that you might see in sport, in the tactical realm and say, where do we get the best of both of those? Throw away the title, throw away who made it, listen to what's being said and what's being done. And from there we can make true progress instead of arguing about the little, you know, semantics and verbiage that some people like to use and we're not truly progressing. So really it's devolved into a bickering match between who can get the most clicks who can build the most, you know, whether false or valid confidence in their product as opposed to evidence-based, mm-hmm. this is what gets people where they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And from my own point, you know, I started off in, in this field sort of thrown into it because I had a medical background and we were standing up a new program and they said, hey, go shoot down the good ideas that aren't going to work and go find the ones that will provide real-world usable fitness on the battlefield, usable performance. And that's what mattered because... We were seeing our model of push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run, five-mile run, whatever you want to call it, was not translating to battlefield performance. It wasn't. When you're expected to carry, you know, larger loads for some of us, 40, 50% of our body weight for hours on end, and then be a highly paid critical thinker, that's where we're actually trying to focus versus, uh, you know, having some metric of push-ups, sit-ups, you pick it, and calling that fitness that doesn't translate to real-world results, which is what ultimately we're, we're hoping to do. Right. I think it's important to, to annotate, too, that really I think there's sort of a lip service that's been paid to that push-up, sit-up, run standard for the longest time. And, it, and I think it's, it's lasted so long because it's, it's simple and it's cheap and it's an easy way for someone to quickly look at a person and say, well, this person did better than that person and clearly they're more ready. But I think you bring up a good point that the reality of the situation is it doesn't translate to what most people see as a need for their actual battlefield posture. And I think that hopefully in the future, 
as we compile more evidence-based information and we can get people to where they need to be over time, that maybe things will change in the community. And uh, hopefully those institutions as well will recognize that, hey, there are better ways that we can do this, especially when it comes to the differences between the way that men and women need to train. And that's that's a huge point. Um, you know, data drives decisions at the higher level. And if we don't have that data to show what works and what doesn't, what translates to real world results and what doesn't, it, it's never going to change. And right. so as we get this um, small sample size of women getting through selections or into certain, you know, into and through certain schools, we can then say, okay, what worked and what didn't and sort of replicate that, that model, throw away the stuff that doesn't work and improve on, on everything else. But, you know, the data and the sample size um, getting bigger will help us push that. But the first part is getting people through it safely and efficiently. Um, the other part of this, this whole thing is, you know, um, the push-ups, sit-ups, whatever metric uh, a unit is going to test is their physical fitness test. That should be a byproduct of a well-rounded system. So, you know, at any given time, I want my athletes to be able to, to do really well on a PT test of whatever one it is. But at the same time, that's not the overall goal. That's a byproduct right. of being well-rounded, getting enough nutrition and recovery support to support their training, and then fluctuating that up and down based on what the job demands are. Unlike a professional athlete where Friday night lights or Monday night football, that is the job demand. Mm -hmm. For us, you know, the job demands day-to-day -day aren't exactly conducive to uh, highly performing individuals sometimes. Just the hours, uh, the lack of ability to, to hit recovery methods and proper nutrition um, that's a detractor or a dimmer on your overall performance, but you got to factor that in because all stress is cumulative. Right. Well, I, for one, am excited to be a guinea pig of this thing launching off. Yeah. Uh, not to use that term uh, in any way to indicate what we can expect. You know, personally, having worked with you for the last several years um, on and off, just based on different challenges I've seen in my career, um, I have high confidence in what we can do. So really excited to kick off that first version of the programming that's going to launch on August 6th. So with that said, Chris, let's talk a little bit about the avatar we're looking for. Uh, we very specifically wanted to bring this together to serve a community of women in the military looking to elevate, whether that be through training or schools or just in general, better use overall. Maybe there's listeners out there, women that have a particular job that they enjoy and don't necessarily have a plan for a certain uh, training or event coming up, but they'd still like to elevate the way that they perform right now. So what does that avatar look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're looking for the the prototypical um, military female looking to, you know, either progress her career in a certain job that she's doing. And, and part of that is being having a good physical skill set to draw from just day to day. And then those looking to go on to further events, whether it's a career event, you know, such as a school, you know, a ranger school, infantry officers course, something like that or a selection for certain units um, that require different training mindset and skill set. So with that generalized avatar in mind, what we want to do is provide a program that addresses all those needs. And more importantly, if we do a needs analysis of, of that standard woman, um, where can we provide the most impact with the least amount of time spent in a gym or, or spent in a training mindset so that she can still progress at her job and have a life and everything else. But that requires intelligent training and programming, that requires, uh, you know, 22 hours a day or the other day, time that she's not training, focused on recovering and setting herself up for success. And then when the time comes to make one of those key decisions for a career, for a job event, something like that, uh, she's not trying to cram fitness, quote unquote. And we're just making, uh, raising the baseline to a level where on her worst day, she's ready to perform at a high level. 
I think it's really significant that you bring that up to just, you know, based on the modern woman profile anyway, you know, people talk about wearing multiple hats all at once, you know, having a job, being a mom, being a wife, being just generally participatory in the society around you. And then adding on top of that, um, in general jobs that can often be very unpredictable in the military. Um, it's not uncommon for us to get yanked out of what our day-to-day battle rhythm is, so to speak, and to be dropped into something uh, unexpectedly. Uh, and of course, a lot of that depends on the specific job you're doing too. Um, I think it's important to, to work that into the plan just because, you know, from personal experience, it, it can be pretty exhausting to, you know, go to work and, and be the leader and make the plans and really feel like you're investing so much of your your mental capacity and your emotional energy into a job and then have to leave and, and put in two hours, three hours at the gym. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. And, you know, like I'll tell you, there's, there's no secret to it. And what we're seeing nowadays after, you know, not even a hundred years where this has been a professional field of, of strength and conditioning or human performance, there's no secrets. What we're finding out more is like dose responses of certain types of exercise, what that costs you physiologically and psychologically. And then we can tailor things better because yes, yeah, some days, it may just be enough to get in the gym and do 20, 30 minutes of strength work and leave. But it takes a strong person to do that. So when I hear people talking about training hard, sometimes for the tactical athlete population, training hard is going home, knowing when to shut it down because you're so used to you know, being able to push when things are hard and mental toughness, and that's drilled into you. But at the same time, that can be detrimental if not applied to the right thing. So yes, on a mission dynamic or, or in a school where you can't stop, can't quit, I get it. But on a day-to-day training approach, uh, we need to realize what's optimal training. And if you're doing 16, 18 hours a day of work, another hour or two in the gym and sacrificing sleep and good nutrition and recovery is not optimal training. And those days are hard because uh, the mind's telling you to go, but really the body needs a reset. And what that means is you're looking at the big picture. So not just the micro level of what did I do today, what did I do this week. It's looking at the big picture of what you want to do over the course of a career and then also how your fitness is trending up or down the whole time. Yeah, you bring up so many significant points, and I think a lot of us <clears throat> have on our minds, but it isn't always voiced, especially in the workplace, when we, when we talk about specifically the expectation to just drive on and do what's expected no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our listeners could agree that a big step in the right direction for cultural change in the military would be hey, we become better managers of our own health and rest and recovery. We become better managers when we talk about what are the appropriate moments to push harder and what are the appropriate moments to say that, you know what, this is a time when I need to reset. I can't tell you how many times, and I know you've seen it a million times before too, where there's you know, a particular training event or you know some kind of other, maybe it's even just a morale building event where someone's at their physical limit and potentially on the borderline of a serious injury and they'll continue to, to press on because of the concern that the stigma will stick with them forever. And it's like, Hey, you've, you've only got one body and you've right. got one life. This is your vessel until the day you die. And that's, yeah. And it's tough. I mean, like I said, our whole culture breeds it into us. It's bred in, you know, who can go with the least sleep, the least mm-hmm. amount of food. It's a, it's a badge of honor, but what gets you into some of these fields and professions is not what keeps you there over the long haul. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've seen over the course of you know nearly two decades doing it personally and then also with our performance programs that analyze that and look at that. And so what, what the term used early on in our, our realm was preserving the human capital, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm looking at this from a financial perspective or a senior leader perspective and we pay lip service, like you said earlier, to 
humans are the most important thing, Mm -hmm. yet we run our humans until they break and try and get new ones. And so it's hard because it's hard to quantify or codify when someone is about to break because it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. External life stress, individual response to stress and exercise and all those things factor in. But if you're always approaching things with how far can we go, how hard can we push, then you get into this whole survive versus thrive mentality. And if someone's surviving, barely trying to keep their head above water, then you're never going to progress and add horsepower. And it takes a, a more individualized approach to that to say, yes, you're responding. No, you're not. An objective external voice to tell people that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because when someone's in that survival mode and they're just trying to keep up, they don't realize where they're falling or where the pitfalls might be. And that's why it's good to have a coach or a mentor or someone else to step back and say objectively, hey, you're right where you need to be. Maybe we need to change this or that mm-hmm. and give you some guidance because the people in this field, specifically the tactical athletes, are the worst about auto-regulating. Mm-hmm. If, if, there's a, if there's a perception of weakness in themselves, they usually go do it ad nauseum until they break themselves or until it becomes a strength. But that's a balance as well. And so what, it, what I think the biggest things that I did early on was to get a mentor and to get a coach that helped me say, you're right where you need to be here. Quit wasting time and energy on that. And then more importantly, other end, here's your weaknesses. Here's where you could do the most bang for your buck in the minimal amount of time. And on a, on a macro perspective, we're making progress, even though it might not seem like it in the day-to-day grind. Yeah, and that's so important to recognize, too. I think that you know, going forward, we could agree that one of the big goals for this Valkyrie Project idea is that we can get to a point where not only are women in the military performing at elevated levels that they couldn't before, but they're also getting to a point of self-management. And that comes through dedicated mentorship and time spent from over a number of months or years to, to change that mental perspective and indoctrination of, you know, I have to continue to drive on because that's what I'm expected to do no matter what. And I think that we have a unique opportunity as leaders, especially to bring that lesson that we learn through working with peers, working with coaches, working with experts back into the military and, and pass that on to, to others. And I can't tell you how much it makes me cringe, you know, in other forums when I'm reading articles about ways that people should prepare themselves for these schools and trainings and assessments. When, when people say or they make the recommendation that you should practice being tired or practice being hungry or practice being fatigued, the reality is you're just enhancing a state of stress, which from what I understand physiologically, any form of stress has the same physiological manifestation. So whether that's emotional or physical stress, it all has the same result on the body where different systems start to deteriorate and break down. So, you know, I, I think that that's probably one of the greatest myths that I that I would like to get after, you know, in, in these discussions, especially in the online communities where people are saying, well... When you go do that ruck march, you know, make sure that you've practiced doing it tired because you're still going to have to perform tired. Yep. Uh, and I think that's just one of many ideas that really aren't helping our people right now. No, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And like, so there's, there's a, a ton of work done on that. And one of my favorite authors on that is, is Robert Sapolsky. And he talks about why zebras don't get ulcers. That's one of his books. One of why his, they don't get ulcers? Why zebras don't get ulcers. <laughs> I recommend that as a read for anybody that's going into anything with high stress. Um, and stress is self-perceived and, and it's, you know, all stress is self-induced to an extent. Um, so with that, if you're, if you're in training stressing to change and cause a physiological change, yes, you want to have some stress. But past a certain point, it hits diminishing returns. And then it's destructive because all those hormones for 
you know, the initial stress response that we get if we're getting chased by a lion, you know, our ancestors years ago, that survival stress response does not help with long-term um, progress and, and sustained high performance. It's, it's inflammatory. Uh, it helps, you know, it changes body composition in a negative way. So yeah, practicing things tired and everything else, I disagree with. Uh, if you're training well, you're pushing to that limit and bumping that threshold up all the time. And so you have a functional reserve range. Because I tell you what, if I'm going into a major career event, like a, a, let's say a ruck march to get entry into a certain pipeline or something, I'm going to do everything I can to peak for that. Right. I'm not going to show up on game day tired you're if I can, if I can help it. Absolutely. Now. And if I've built a buffer, a reserve range where my peak performance is higher and I sink down that because of the conditions and the environment and the school demands or whatever those are, then I'm operating at a higher level. Because when we're stressed and we're fatigued, we don't add skill. Mm-hmm. Skill goes out the window at that point. And then we don't add just good movement quality, movement patterns. And yes, your body has to learn how to thrive, provide energy and all those things under those demands. So if you're already stressed when you're doing that, you're not worried about performance. At that point, you're just trying to be tough. And it's not a, that's not the long game. I've seen it. Oh, be tough. Yeah. That's one of many interesting cultural change topics, I think, that are, are worth bringing up today. One topic I actually want to sort of point out, really, when we discuss, you know, what can we have an impact on that will make the community better as a whole? Uh, really, the inception of this project has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of MOSs, a lot of jobs, a lot of different schools and trainings were not available to military women prior to 2016. Um, and that was a real game changer when that news came out that now everything's available. And that was part of the inspiration for doing this just because, you know, we see a need in the community for a place for women to go to not only get the athletic training that they need, but also to have a community of mentors and people that are there to back them up. I think that as many good things as we want to do with this project, there's always going to be the naysayers. There'll always be those that, you know, whether we the term that gets thrown around a lot sometimes is tab protectors or, you know, other, other derogatory terms. But in general, from your perspective, what do you think the next evolution is of you know, women in the military? And what do you think it's going to look like as this process moves forward? How can we mitigate the feelings of discomfort while also sort of amplifying the opportunities that we have to say, hey, women are an asset. So I think what's going to be, it's twofold. So first, I think it has to be changed from the inside by women who are doing great things and showing um, the value that they bring to the table. And and I think that's already been done. I think we're kind of past that. Um, The second part is I think it's going to take some of the more senior, mature um, leaders that are already there putting these systems in place to educate some of the younger crowd. And that's where I see the biggest uh, dilemma is some of the younger crowd, you know, the tab protectors to, to use the term that you threw out earlier, that's usually the, the more ego driven, uh, less been there, done that type who haven't seen the value that a woman can bring to the table. And more importantly, the diverse team can bring to the fight. And when you're in it and you're, you're kind of uh, less experienced in, in the world, I'll say, um, that is everything for you. But then as you, you get away from that a little bit, as you get a little bit older, a little bit more uh, long in the tooth, um, you realize you should be arguing less about that and more about how we make the team better. And so once you get that cultural shift to happen, and I think it's happening, what we're going to see is people you know, less badge protecting, so to speak, and more, hey, how do we make the team better? 
And so then everyone will take that approach of, you know, just the way a team leader or squad leader approaches their individual team. Mm -hmm. If I've got a five foot six, 150 pound guy on a weapon squad, and he's carrying a tripod Chris, and everything else. why are you else. sharing my stats with yeah, everyone? Yeah, <laughs> so if, if you have someone carrying that that amount of weight, that amount of load mm-hmm. into a mission that they're going to move for a prolonged period of time, and you've got someone else who's six foot four, 250 pounds, which I've, I've had this, you're going to cross-load weight. You're going to play to the strengths and they're weaknesses different. of the team. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. Gender is irrelevant there. It's get the job done. Mm-hmm. And so what I think you're going to see is there there's going to be a shift where – Women show they bring a lot of valuable things to the table, whether it's perspective or, or history or life experience, and you take a different look at problems, and that's what we are, is we're problem solvers in this field. And then, you know, more importantly, you're going to get some of the males uh, to say, okay, we balance each other well, which makes a better team. Mm-hmm. And so I think you'll see some of the more experienced folks spend less time arguing about who and, and what and everything else. Um, and then, you know, some of the people who've been there and done it at the highest level say, let's find the best possible answer to the problem set and find the right people to do that. And it's refreshing that it's happening and certainly refreshing for me to talk to people that are of that like-minded perspective that that's really the direction we need to go. And I think it's also important, too, to point out that there's a lot of divisiveness out there. And especially when you start up a project or program or, you know, what some people might tag as a club that's exclusionary or leaves other people out, you know, it tends to create bad feelings. And uh, I'd like to, you know, as one of the people that's sort of kicking this project off, you know, point out that the last thing we want to achieve or the last thing we would want to do with the Valkyrie Project is create a situation where people think that we're trying to make ourselves be special or different. I think the reality that's important to notice is women and men are physiologically and biologically different. And so, like you said before, it's, it's important to incorporate those considerations into training because if you're not, you're not optimizing everyone's human potential for performance and endurance and all those things that we find important in the job. Uh, but it's also a key point to say that the experience is there and we'd be remiss to not loop the males in the community that have been around and have a job experience and have the expertise already built in. I mean, for, you know, it's a, it's a fact that for decades, for a century or more, you know, the vast majority of the wars that we fought have been carried on the shoulders of men, but now that time is changing. And so we'd like to bring that expertise in, in the form of an online forum, you know, a place where women can come with their questions and, and pose those questions to men and women in, in the fields that they're interested in. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and, you know, like I said at the beginning with how this place was formulated, the Evolution Athletics, the evolution pays homage to, you know, continually changing and getting better. From the strength and conditioning field, if we're doing the same things that we were doing in the 50s and 60s, and it's 2018, we're seriously wrong. And if we're taking the same mindset to the to the tactical realm, we're seriously misplaced and misguided. I mean, technology changes, the geopolitical climate changes, the war itself changes in terms of what what's going on and how we approach that fight. We don't from, do trench warfare anymore. <laughs> you know, and that's it. And so from a technology standpoint, everything has changed. And to... Uh, to argue about the 90% of things that are the same, that, that doesn't happen. I mean, we, we kind of let that go. But where there's the few differences is where everybody wants to make their stand. And so, you know, I think that's kind of short-sighted. And, and I really wish people would get past that so we can progress. And that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, when people want to argue about these things and, and make their stand on a certain, you know, job title, tab, you name it. Um, a lot of those things have very little impact on the true war effort. And it's, it's kind of 
wasted energy and wasted time. I just trying to, you know, get it out of the way, blow it aside. But if we can look at what's being done, where the gaps and shortcomings are, and that's where we make our impact. And so I think what you're seeing is a lot of people have the same tools in their toolbox. So they always try and take them to the job, no matter what the job calls for. If we increase the tools in our toolbox, we've got a bigger array of things to answer the problems with. Couldn't agree more, Chris. So I'd like to move on now to the more nuts and bolts side of you know what the project offers, what it is that we're trying to bring to this community to make it better and, and support the evolution as it moves on as a whole. So we've got the plans to launch the athletic program, the training program, starting on 6 August 2018. What can we expect to see from that? Yeah, so that's going to be um, just the programming uh, aspect of all this with that avatar we mentioned earlier in mind. And it's going to be a, a general physical preparedness cycle, um, but it might be a little bit different than what you've seen out there before in addressing uh, female avatar and female physiology and things. So what's that mean? A little bit more higher strength, moderate volume stuff, because that's the main uh, shortcoming that a lot of the females coming back from these areas talk about is not an endurance aspect that's there. It's the ability to move heavier loads for longer distance without breaking down. So it'll focus on that aspect. But more importantly, it is going to incorporate all the things for a general fitness program so that depending on when and, and what they are doing, they can shift gears easily as opposed to, hey, I've identified a school or a selection event. Now I need to build a foundation and then focus on the, that event. If they've done this, they've built a good foundation and they can tailor that specific need accordingly. So that'll be the general entry piece. Uh, you get into to the forum, you have access to the coaches that are writing the programs, you can get movement um, descriptions, you know, warm up and cool down opportunities or, or questions answered. And then if you want to take it deeper into an individualized aspect, we have that as well. Excellent. So with that program, that being said, um, we talked before too, and this was before we started recording about incorporating beyond the whiteboard technology into that program for people that haven't ever used it. And what are the perks to using behind the whiteboard that they can really amplify their progress over time? Sure. So with the beyond the whiteboard thing, uh, first off, I'm a data nerd and I don't like doing, um, you know, workouts and, and training without analyzing and then taking that and constantly evolving the program. So when they join the forum, they join the program, they'll get access to something called Beyond the Whiteboard. It's an app. It's a web-based platform. It's where the workouts of the day will be posted, um, videos and descriptions and things, and then everyone in the group can see results if you choose to do so. But more importantly, the coaches on the back end can identify trends and patterns. And so say we're doing upper body push and pull work. If I can take that, break it down to foot pounds per minute or average strength values, power to weight ratios, and then I take this over time, I can then make a very specific attribute pro profile for most of the ladies in the group and change the program. And that is what makes it progressive and continually evolving to the needs of our athletes, not just me throwing something on paper. So really in a lot of ways, looking at the different performance outputs that the cohort has creates a picture for you, for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How Absolutely. the female military athlete looks. Mm -hmm. And we just don't know that now. And I have my, my hypothesis on some stuff. I have, um, you know, just different opinions on the way some things should be trained, but I'm not perfect. And I'm not right about everything. So this is a objective, quantifiable feedback for me. And so more importantly, I can then take that if we have, uh, you know, success stories over time and we can then break that down and say, 
on a, on a individual aspect, this is the profile that seemed to work well for this school or this event. And then we can break down individuals that want to do it in the future and say, hey, here's what we know kind of works. You should work towards that, that ideal athlete profile, so to speak. But that's going to change based on jobs, based on career events and everything else. Just like a football player as a lineman, his needs and, and demands of his sport change even for a quarterback or a receiver. Mm-hmm. Same sport, different demands. Right. So we have to set the baseline for everybody. And then change on the one-offs and, and things that people are doing down the road. So with that said, Chris, uh, can you uh, provide a little bit more information to our listeners? Uh, something I've seen a lot over the years, you know, coaching CrossFit on and off for probably eight years now. Something like a resounding, repetitive concern that a lot of athletes have is, I'm not in shape enough to start this. And I, and I use only the, the term CrossFit because that's where a lot of my experience comes from, but in general, there's a lot of insecurity from time to time with people that know they need to try something different to be better and they want to put in a little more effort and push themselves a little harder. Uh, but that can be intimidating, especially if you're not sure what you're getting into. So can you describe for our listeners really what the options are, what the accommodations are for folks that, you know, they want to they want to up their ante, but they're nervous that starting the program is going to be jumping into something that's too much for them, whether that be... Mm-hmm heavyweight that they're not accustomed to using or, you know, they want to get better at pull-ups, but they've never been able to do one. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's a question I get a lot in this industry as well. And so I usually answer it a couple of ways. So first off, I say, what are you basing your not in shape enough off of? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're only looking at yourself in isolation and what you see on social media, uh, you got to take that with a grain of salt because I guarantee you you're in shape enough because you're a human and you're moving. So that's first and foremost, right? So we don't have any magical things. We use primal movement patterns that everybody can do. It's just to what degree and to what extent and what intensity. The second part of that is I tell them, you know, with that health fitness continuum, you know, if someone's sick, do they wait till they're healthier to go to the doctor? No, the day is the day to start is now. If your that's car a really is good metaphor for if that. <laughs> yeah, if your car is is the in check engine light comes on, do you wait until it breaks completely to take it to the mechanics or do you take it early? And so that's what I'm saying is if they're already saying that, they've identified a need. Mm-hmm. More importantly, the value of what we're gonna do here is direct access to coaches and mentors that can help you scale and change things accordingly. So the program itself is gonna be based off something called auto regulation, right? So a primal movement pattern would be picking something up off the ground. So it may be, hey, work up to a heavy set of three deadlifts today. Heavy set. As soon as their form starts to break down or it feels heavy, they stop there. We're not going to have a lot of percentages and things because that implies people know those. That implies they stay the same all the time. So a heavy set of three, and then here's your conditioning. The conditioning is just going to be time domains and movement patterns that a tactical athlete would need. Not a competitive CrossFit athlete who might need high-skilled gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Not you know a football player who might need to be able to do things uh, for a very short period of time, very sport-specific demands. But it's going to be general physical preparedness based on those things. So anyone can jump in and do it. The right. stimulus we're trying to apply and the movements we're trying to use will be the ones that are seen in the tactical realm that you might come across anywhere. And then more importantly, it builds that foundation so when they want to do something bigger – or they've got, you know, different changes in goals, they're not trying to build that foundation from nothing. That's good to know, especially, you know, I think so many listeners out there have concerns about, you know, potentially being thrown headfirst into, you know, go walk on your hands today kind of mm-hmm. profile, or, you know, 300 pounds might be very heavy for one person and, and not so heavy for another. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna set those things. And even on the conditioning and stuff, uh, 
You know, it'll just say, hey, based on, on what you might have hit for part A, choose this. Or if there are any questions, you know, you can post in the forum and someone can give you a scaling option or ideas. Say you don't have the equipment and we can give you options to sub that but still get the same stimulus. But back to what you said originally about, hey, am I, I might not be in shape enough to start. If you're just doing that in isolation in a silo and you don't have anything to compare it to, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. In this Beyond the Whiteboard format and in the forums, you can now see where you stack up on some areas. On some areas, you're going to have strengths. Everyone does. On other areas, it may be a, per, you know, a real weakness that you never knew before. And perception plays into that a lot. But if objectively you're looking at everybody else's scores for the day over time, you can say, hey, I need to work on this or that. Or maybe I don't need to worry about this as much. But now we have objective ways to make a decision, not just your perception of what feels hard or what other people are doing. Good stuff. Well, I'm really excited to get started with that on August 6th. So everybody stay tuned for the launch of the Valkyrie Project 1.0 training program. Really excited to get started with that with the community and get our hands dirty working towards our goals. I also want to talk a little bit about the forum because I think this is going to be one of the cornerstone items that the Valkyrie Project brings to benefit everybody, especially when we talk about bringing together expertise and experience in the field. There are those that might be happy with their tactical or whatever physical profile training they're in right now that still want access to the forum and access to people with experience. So just wanted to point out for the listeners that there will be an option available for you to gain access to the forum without necessarily participating in the in the training program. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to have, uh, you know, basically a couple tiers or a couple options here. So if you're uh, joining up and you're wanting to do the, the program, Valkyrie 1.0, um, then we'll have an option for that. And then that's also including the forum access, access to the mentors, you name it, kind of like the full, full spectrum of things that we're going to offer. A secondary offering that will be there is just simply access to the forum. Do your own program, do your own uh, training as you see fit. Um, but at the same time, maybe you want to bounce some questions off some of these experts in the field and people who are really trying to push the envelope there and really drive the change internally. Nothing wrong with that. We'll have another pricing option available for that. Um, but we are trying to keep this somewhat uh, exclusive in terms of keeping out people who are just there to cause strife, people who are there to just provide subject matter expertise when they're really not. And the uh, barrier for entry there will just be some of the the ways that we control access to the forum and who joins. And then as always, you can scale up or scale down. If you're liking the program and you want to get in on it, go ahead. If you want to switch gears uh, to either individual programming or something else, that's available too. But really want to give everybody the flexibility, but have some control measures there just so it's not getting out of control. Absolutely. And one of those control measures too, just for our listeners' peace of mind, is that uh, we do have a bit of a screening process for anybody that wants to participate as a mentor, just so we can make sure that, you know, we're all like-minded folks that are here to support the community and not be a detriment to it. Lastly, I think probably the thing that I'm more excited about in terms of, you know, what we've got to look forward to as this thing gets bigger. Uh, I think that podcasts are kind of a cool way to reach out to the community and have a conversation that feels a little bit more personal than blogging or just kind of scrolling through clickbait on, on different social media outlets. So as we move forward with this thing, we're going to be producing more and more podcasts, hosting the experts in terms of fitness, nutrition, recovery, mental toughness, every aspect that a military woman would want to address for having success in these more difficult profiles and as we continue to evolve on that path. So looking forward to hearing your feedback about the different topics that you would 
like to listen to when you're, you know, driving on your commute or however you listen to your podcast, we want your input. So be sure to get in touch with us uh, here towards the end. We'll put out the information about where you can find us on the web and, and on social media. But we look forward to your feedback on this. And uh, Chris, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you for being here. Is there any last little nugget of wisdom you'd like to throw out for the ladies out there listening? Uh, not necessarily a nugget of wisdom, but just more, you know, I'm just happy to play a part in this project. Um, I think it's much needed. Really excited about doing it. It's really motivating for me to see a lot of driven um, individuals get together to try and, you know, get better to pursue progress. So it's, it's really awesome to be a part of. And, and I thank you for letting me be a part of that. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you. And as always, like I said before, we want to hear from you guys. Reach out to us at www.valkyrieprojectus.com to send your ideas, your shout outs, personal testimonies, or even stories that you'd like to share. We are on Facebook and Instagram as Valkyrie Project US, so be sure to like and follow those pages to stay up to date. Do today what others want. Do tomorrow what others can't. Thanks for listening.